Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. This weekend, the St. Louis Chamber Chorus will debut a new work by British composer Judith Bingham. It's a nearly six-minute choral anthem using the words of Psalm 121. You probably know that psalm, even if you don't recognize the title. It's the one that begins, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. And the work is stirring. It also has a stirring backstory. The piece was commissioned by a consortium created by the Chamber Chorus. The groups involved were the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion, St. Peter's Episcopal Church, Third Baptist Church, the Washington University Music Department, and Congregation Cher Emmeth. They came together for one reason, to honor Sarah Bryan Miller. She is the classical music critic for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and she has been battling cancer for nearly a decade. Joining us today to talk about this remarkable commission is Philip Barnes. He is the Artistic Director of the St. Louis Chamber Chorus. Philip, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sarah. And we're also joined by Sarah Brian Miller of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Brian, thank you for being here. Thank you. First question is for you. How are you feeling these days? Well, the I, it started as breast cancer and has metastasized through the years. So it's in my bones and it's in my liver. I have, uh, I'm in a study uh, through Seitman Cancer Center, and uh, we're, we're going for as long as we can. And so what kind of prognosis are you looking at at this point? Um, it's going to get me, but I'm going to make it fight for me. And so far you have. I mean, yeah. this has been quite a fight. Yes. And yet you're still writing for the, the Post-Dispatch. I'm wondering, why have you kept that on, even with what feels like this must be a full-time job, just trying to hold the cancer at bay? Well, it, before my the cancer mutated and uh, at the end of last summer, and I went to Seitman, my, my little joke was that I was half-time at the Post-Dispatch and half-time at Missouri Baptist Medical Center. Uh, and I, I, I keep writing because it's, it's, in a way, it's a calling to write about classical music in St. Louis. They, you know, the way newspapers are these days, I will not be replaced. I have wonderful editors, and they're being really good about letting me have stringers, you know, a freelancer to cover things when I can't. And I am, I am doing less of less of that. It's getting harder to go out. And I mean, gone are the days when I could could do two reviews in a day or three in a weekend. Uh, I have to limit myself. It sounds like you almost feel a duty to some of these organizations that you've covered for so many yes. years. You don't want to give up telling their stories. Right. Philip, what made all of these organizations come together to want to honor Brian in this way? Well, the the characteristic of Brian's reviewing is that she actually knows what she's talking about. And um, that's unfortunately not common. Um, and so many music critics around the country, around the globe, are expert perhaps at a particular instrument or orchestral writing. But in Brian, we actually have a very fine singer. So when she says you need to do this again or you need to aim for something different or well done, something, her criticism really means something. And it has done for all the years that she's been writing. So that's one of the reasons I would suggest that choral singing is of such a high standard in St. Louis. We know we're going to be kept to and held to a really high standard by somebody 
who knows what they're talking about. And it sounds like uh, this is someone who's not afraid to be critical if she feels like you messed up. Does that hurt <laughs> no. a little bit, that that sting, knowing that she knows what she's, she's talking about, if she's saying, hey, the chamber chorus got this one wrong? Well, of course, she never writes that. But, um, I, I strive to err on the side of charity. <laughs> sure. I mean, you're not going out there just blasting. No, but I mean, diplomacy. You'll make a point yes. if you feel like something isn't quite up oh, to yeah. snuff. Um, right. And so it's interesting that, that you feel such affection for this criticism? Well, yes. I mean, honest criticism is incredibly rare. And Brian has no agenda other than what's the best for the music and for the, for the public. And uh, that's an incredible resource. And you know, apart from subscribing to the post, we don't have to pay for it. So uh, she's a remarkable resource for this city. And we've been incredibly lucky to have her guidance. And she has indeed, I mean, she some, said some very kind things about us, which really uh, are wonderful and really, you know, reinforce what we're doing, support what we're doing. But she has definitely at times said, you need to do this or somebody was, you know, the ensemble wasn't as good as it should have been. And sometimes I've known that, of course, <laughs> but other times, you know, it's made me look at something afresh. And that's a very, very uh, valuable um, part of being an artist is to have a, a somebody who is able to critique you. and But you know that they have your interests and the music's interests at heart. It's not an ego trip for them. So Brian said they're not going to replace her. I mean, we know what's happening with newspapers. People just don't have classical music critics anymore. What kind of void is that going to leave in the St. Louis scene? Terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's no way to sugarcoat it. So I guess that's kind of the the sad context behind this wonderful thing, and that is this consortium yeah. that you brought together. Reading off that list of these organizations involved, this is a, a long list, a diverse list, some people that it feels like it would be really hard to get them on the same page. How were you able to do that? Well, very interesting you should say that because um, it was astonishingly not hard to get them. Um, we had a very small amount of time in order to get this little window in Judith Bingham's composing calendar or diary. You knew she had an opening. I did. And uh, just, I mean, composers, full-time composers, they have to plot their time very carefully because, of course, they're making a living from this. And so uh, I knew she had this little window. And so I knew I had to get a certain amount of money for her and her publisher within a small amount of time. And I will tell you that the people that I went to uh, just almost instantly just said, I don't know how we'll make this happen, but we will make this happen. And so we didn't proceed until every one of them had actually deposited their contribution in escrow because that's the way I like to work. Um, and uh, it, was, it was amazingly heartening, just as the person trying to put it all together. It was so wonderful that nobody just sort of quibbled about the amount. Nobody quibbled about the timing. They just said, we will make this happen. What a great idea. And so when you reached out to Judith Bingham, um, did you give her specific notes on what you wanted here? Or did you more just give her the idea, we want to commission something to honor Brian? Um, no, uh, we did We did give her some sort of guidelines, actually, because those groups you, you referenced, they're all very different in their abilities. Um, so the chamber chorus can handle something that's on a very, very elaborate scale. Uh, a church choir, a modest church choir can't do that. So it was a very tough um, remit to Judith Bingham. She had to write a piece that could be done and be satisfying and be artistically worthwhile on many different levels. Um, and I think, Brian, didn't we consult with you about the text? 
Well, you you told me it was Psalm 121. Right. And I got to choose the translation. Right. And what made you choose the, the translation the that you did? Well, it's, I am a lifelong Episcopalian and grew up with Coverdale. And I was looking at all kinds of translations and just decided to go with you know, one, the, the one I grew up with. This is the one you grew up reading in church or hearing yeah. read in church? By Miles Correct. Coverdale. And yeah. that, that is one that goes way back, I understand. Yes. This is a, a very old. Um, yes. And, and is it the words in it that you like or just the feeling behind it? Yes. I'm familiar with that translation, uh, and it's, it is meaningful. I mean, the, the whole text is very meaningful. Philip chose well. And what uh, what about that text is is personally meaningful to you? Uh, well, it's it's a psalm of hope. Mm-hmm. And I think really Judith Bingham, if as I try to remember, I'm pretty sure she's the one who steered me to that type of psalm. She herself has had a lifetime as a singer, like Brian, and um, so she has sung countless versions of that particular psalm, and so she knew that uh, knew it as a psalm of hope. And I think that's one of the reasons why we, we sort of locked onto that particular one. We're talking to Philip Barnes. He's the artistic director of the St. Louis Chamber Chorus. And we're also talking to Sarah Brian Miller, who's the classical music critic for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And we're discussing I Lift Up Mine Eyes to the Hills. And that's a new commission that the St. Louis Chamber Chorus has put together with a consortium of organizations around town. And it is in honor of Sarah Brian Miller, who, who goes by Brian, um, and her battle with cancer. And and so, Brian, I'm wondering, it sounds like Philip reached out to you during this process. That's how you got to pick the translation. How did you first learn that they were working on this piece uh, that's a tribute to you? Philip sent me an email. I had written him with a question about something. And he said, well, I'll get to that. But first, you know, we're doing it in honor of you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and he just tacked this on yes. in, in, a pre- in another correspondence. He, he, yeah. It sounds like he did this in a very low-key way. Yeah. Um, and what was your reaction to that? I was stunned. I was gobsmacked. Uh, it was, it, I had never expected anything like this. You know, there's a saying that nobody loves a critic. And here is, was tangible evidence that ain't necessarily so. It felt like appreciation for what you'd done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what does that mean to you as a lover of classical music, that there is now this piece of music that exists in the world because of you and the appreciation and for you? And with her name on the top my, of it. Yes. Uh, it, it's a wonderful feeling. Uh, I'm a believer in commissioning new works. I'm a member of the choir at St. Peter's Episcopal Church and com- have commissioned uh, pieces from another composer in memory of each of my parents. And uh, you add to the repertoire and you you do something that's very meaningful uh, and, and memorable and, and that comes up from time to time when you're singing. And so to have something like that for myself, which I just had not expected uh, and never dreamed of, it was wonderful. If I can just explain one thing about commissioning, because I think a lot of people, they know what it is. They know money is involved, but they don't necessarily know 
why and how you choose a composer and how it's done. If we look at the composer Judith Bingham, who has actually got a lot to be thankful for to Sarah Brown Miller, because very early on in Judith Bingham's career, we commissioned a piece from her. It was her first, really her first major American commission. And who was in the audience to review it but Brian? And Brian recognized this extraordinary talent encouraged her, said so in print. This got the ball rolling. Eventually, Judith wins an international composition prize with that piece. She changes from a little boutique publisher to a multinational huge publisher with whom she still is. Um, and it, so Brian is really instrumental in, in Judith's career taking off in that sense. So that's one of the reasons why Judith really wanted to do this mm. for her. But what I was going to say about sort of focusing composers in one direction or another direction with a commission is this. Judith Bingham, for that little window of opportunity, could have written anything um, she could have written a trumpet concerto. She could have written uh, a song cycle, anything you want. So what our job is when we have the resources to commission a piece is we get one of these outstanding composers around the globe and we sort of edge them and, and steer them towards the type of music we want commissioned. Mm -hmm. So that's what you do with a full-time professional composer um, I think people listening might get the idea that composers just sit at a blank piece of manuscript paper and think, oh, what shall I write today? And I think it's time to write a concerto or something like that. And it's very, very rare that that happens. And all through history, Brian will tell you, there are many operas and symphonies that were written to order. These were commissioned by people yeah. who had yes. an idea in mind. Yes. And this is something you said you did for your parents. Yes. So you, you do have a history of, of this kind of project. I imagine that made it even more meaningful that yes. someone chose to do it for you. Absolutely. Now, there ended up being sort of a hastily put together performance for your benefit at Third Baptist Church. And this was in September. Um, it was performed by the combined choirs of... Um, all of them. All of them. Basically. Okay. So all of the well, choirs came all. together not for this. Not quite all. But, but um, just some members, I understand, members from the Some members of most of the consortium. Okay. So what was the reason for the haste on this, Philip? Well, I, not to be too maudlin about it, but I, I don't know how long we have Brian with us, and I want, was d very enthusiastic and eager for her to hear this piece. You know, we, it came over from Judith Bingham in the late summer. We put it all together. It was such a great piece. And I thought there are many levels. So I, I think I said earlier on, there are different levels at which this piece can be performed. Uh, it's very cleverly written. It can, so very quickly, it can be performed by a simple church choir with a keyboard, it can be performed by a church choir or a choir, keyboard, piano, keyboard, organ together. Then it can be performed by two, a double choir, piano, and organ. And each time you're adding a sort of layer of texture. You're not, so that the smallest version is not weak or anything like that. It doesn't feel inadequate. But when you add these different layers, it just gives a depth to the sound. And I wanted Brian to be able to hear that depth because I knew the chamber chorus couldn't give the first public performance of it until February the 16th. I didn't want her to have to wait that long. Well, this is soon after we discovered that the cancer had mutated. Uh, when we found it had gone into my liver uh, last a year ago, January, I, I went on chemo and, and it, it, it slowed things down for a while. And then uh, it stopped working. All of these drugs eventually stop working. And, uh, and then we discovered it had mutated. 
and uh, didn't know if I'd be able to get into the study at Siteman. And I, you know, I was a little dismayed to find that it wasn't scheduled till February, and I had to say, frankly, Philip, I'm, I, I, I had been told not to make plans mm. uh, after about Thanksgiving. So this thing that you were so excited about, this would be a very bad thing to miss. You wanted yeah. to make sure you could get this in. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so they pulled this thing together in September. Brian, what was it like hearing this for the first time? Well, it was, it was amazing. Um, it was, uh, here are all these people, most of whom don't know me, giving up a night and coming down to Grand Center on on their time off and and singing this and it was just incredible we want to play a selection from the piece and this was from september 2019 the performance at third baptist church that that was sort of put together with a bit of haste let's listen That's I Lift Up Mine Eyes to the Hills by Judith Bingham. Brian, what do you find yourself thinking about as you hear it again today? The text, what, what she has done with the, the harmonies and the mood of the piece. It's really beautiful. Yes. Philip, you mentioned that there are just very different um, ways to do this piece, yes. depending on who's involved. Um, as you look ahead to the performance you'll be doing this weekend with the full St. Louis Chamber Chorus, how will that be different than this this very beautiful selection we just heard? Well, um, a lot of it will be similar because we're lucky enough to be inviting the same pianist and the same organist from different places. We have Lansin Lim Kimler from Third Baptist Church. We have David Sindon from Brian's own church, St. Peter's Episcopal. And in fact, the chamber chorus doesn't normally perform with instruments. So for us, it's uh, quite a change. But that choir you heard was about 100 voices, many of whom were our um, volunteers, as Brian says, in their different choirs. On Sunday, you'll hear about 54 trained voices. Um, I think a little more power 
in the way in the way the voices come through is what I would expect. The building, Second Presbyterian Church in the Central West End, is also a wonderful place for choral music. It's actually the place where our recording company from England, that's where they always want us to make our CDs. And mm. So not at this concert, but the next concert, we'll be releasing our seventh CD on this label, and it's always made at this particular venue. So, so this should be some excellent acoustics. It really, yeah. I mean, it's about as good as it gets in St. Louis. Brian, will you be there for this concert? Yes, I will. So put on your critic's hat for a moment. <laughs> what will you be listening for? You know, I, it's interesting. I, I discussed this with Amy Bertrand, the fe- head of the features department at the Post-Dispatch, and she agreed with me that the concert should be reviewed, but that I should not review it. Uh, yeah, how do I do this? So, uh, I, I mean... Part of me is always wearing the critic's hat. It's hard to shut that off after doing it for more than 20 years. But uh, I'm hoping that I can just let it wash over me. So you're going to be approaching this almost as as a fan or as a a lover of music as opposed to as a critic. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you did mention um, that you're Episcopalian, that you you sing in that choir. I'm wondering um, what role your faith plays today as you're sort of contemplating the big questions that all of us are eventually going to have to confront. Is that something that that gives you some comfort at this time? Yeah, yes, it does. And how so? Well, I just, I don't know what comes next, but I believe that something does come next. And I, and I think it will be something positive. I, I, we don't know the details. I, you know, I, 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 I'm at speculating on that is above my pay grade, but I, I just take comfort uh, from you know, knowing that Jesus has our backs. And, uh, and that he has your back. Yeah. Philip, so looking ahead to this weekend, if people um, hearing this um, want to join to hear this piece of music, mm-hmm. um, what do they have to know? Where do, where should they go? Well, um, I think there are some tickets left because um, it's a big church. Uh, chamberchorus.org is the website. So on that website, there's a place to purchase tickets. But getting so close to the concert, I think it's probably best to either telephone and the number's on the website as well or to uh, just show up on the day, um, you know, if the entire population of St. Louis shows up, there'll be a few disappointed people. <laughs> but um, there should be some some seats left um, and the wings of the, this church. Um, and a very beautiful place to be, and it's uh, fairly easy to get to. It's just at the corner of Westminster and Taylor in the central West End. A really amazing building, and I think if you even even what, if you don't particularly like this piece of music, which I cannot believe, but there will be many other styles of music on the program, all to do with the idea of light. Uh, we've taken a piece by a, a really wonderful modern female composer from Britain, well, Bulgaria and Britain, called Dobrinka Tabakova, and she wrote a piece not long ago called Einstein Considered Light as Waves, and we've used that as our title. And so everything is about light, and as Brian alluded to in that psalm, optimism. And I think at this time in our, our country and in the weather and the you know, depths of winter, it's good to have a program about light to lighten us all. 
So I think it's a wonderful place to be, and I hope a lot of people can come and hear Brian's piece in uh, on Sunday afternoon. And so that'll be Sunday at 3 p.m., and you want to um, look up the St. Louis Chamber Chorus website um, for further details. So Philip Barnes, Artistic Director of the St. Louis Chamber Chorus, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. And Sarah Brian Miller of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.